And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, the Wizards' mission has now changed to just trying to win a game. Uh, they lost by a large, it was basically a lot to a little tonight to Philadelphia at home. And they're down, down 3-0 in their first round series with the 76ers. And uh, it's a Saturday night. And you know what? I was going to say it's a nice night, but it's a horrible night in D.C. It's rainy and gross. Uh, but either way, we gave Ben Standig the night off. It's a nice Saturday night. And and so on on the, on the Skype line is a guy who I podcast with a lot. For, uh, covers the Celtics for us. You can listen to him on Basketball Buds every Monday on the Athletic NBA show. It is Jay King. The legendary Jay King, please. <laughs> <laughs> the once in a generation J King. Exactly. Yeah, you, you got you gotta hype me up a little more than that if you want me on your podcast at eleven thirty on a Saturday night. <laughs> when I put the request in at like eight forty five. Yeah, yeah. I did not expect to be waiting for Daniel Gafford's media availability tonight. <laughs> Tr- truly, but- truly this invitation onto the podcast, like it just shows how little respect that I have for your social life. Yeah, you knew for a fact that I would be sitting on my couch all day long watching every single game and doing literally nothing else. So not not with friends, not with anyone else. So full disclosure, Standig told me last second that like he wouldn't while the game had already started, he told me he wasn't gonna be able to do it tonight. He had to cancel. And uh and and he said, I can I can I'm sure I can make it work if you know you can't find anyone. And I thought I'll just invite Jay. And before I even asked you, I said to him, "Don't worry, I have someone." <laughs> I, I knew, I knew you'd be free. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> we know this loser is sitting on the couch watching this Wizard Seventy Sixers blowout. Oh man, it was bad. One thirty-two, one hundred three. Philly wins this game. Uh, it was never close. This the Wizards kind of they cut it to six in the middle of the second quarter. I guess technically that's close. It never felt close at all. They threw out some crazy lineups. You know, I I wrote yesterday morning. My story was basically the Wizards have to get weird if they want any chance. If they want to win this, something really weird is going to have to catch on because all the conventional things are not. Scott Brooks did something weird. Something I didn't put in that story. He threw out a lineup of Russell Westbrook, Ish Smith. Howell Neto, Bradley Beal, and Robin Lopez. Bradley Beal playing the four. And it's not like the Sixers had nobody out there. They had their big lineup out there. And it actually worked for a little bit and brought them within six. And then the Sixers just kind of continued to do what they did all night. They made 17 threes. Embiid was absolutely ridiculous. Had 36. Felt like he had he had 70. Um, they, they're just outclassing them. I mean, that's really that's really all it is, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, and I, I applaud Scott Brooks for trying crazy stuff because he had to, right? He had no choice. 
He had no choice. Uh, I, I actually, I don't think he got crazy enough, to be honest. I mean, for the most part, the other stuff was, was rel- they, they changed their coverage on Embiid. They went single coverage a lot of the way. Didn't work. I don't really, nope. I mean, Gafford was biting on. <laughs> it's one thing for Gafford to bite on his pump fakes when he's around the rim. It's a whole other thing for Gafford to be biting on his ball fakes from beyond the three-point line, uh, which was happening time and time again tonight. And when you're single covering Embiid, and he's beyond the three-point line, and you're leaving your feet when he shot fakes. It's like, man, well, that's why Rui Hachimura has to make business decisions because that's happening. It's just like the the one-on-one coverage of Embiid was extremely difficult, and he he was he was absurd tonight. I don't I don't know how you stop that guy when he is on. It's just not possible. Oh yeah, well, we got to talk about the business decision and Russell Westbrook's reaction to the business decision. <laughs> Which was just fantastic. Russ Russ let the young buck know there will be no business decisions from now on in a playoff game. You can't be doing that in the playoffs. You can't. You gotta you gotta die trying to stop that dunk. And he would have died. Like it would have <laughs> probably been an and one. It actually probably would have worked out worse than it did with Rui just walking away. Um, but Russ, Russ was not going to stand for that. I, I laughed so hard when I saw that. It was hysterical. The Russ-Rui relationship is such an interesting dynamic of this team because Russ goes so hard at Rui in order to try to intensify him. And, and Rui seems to love it, or at the very least appreciate it and respect it, that Russ goes so hard at him. Um, Rui, Rui's just been kind of absent from this series. Uh, you know, they they rely on him so much. They rely on him too much, to be honest. I mean, they don't they don't have any wings and and Rui's not a wing, but he basically has to act as a wing because they don't have any, because they they were short on wings to begin with, and they don't play Bonga, they don't play Hutchison, and Denny Avdia got hurt and is is now done for the year. And because of that, like Rui starts the night guarding Simmons. He's been guarding Harris for a lot of the series. And, and you know, these guys are pulverizing him one-on-one. I mean, Simmons is getting to the rim right off the bat with Rui guarding him. And, uh, you know, Rui, Rui's just, he's having a rough series and, and it's, it's kind of difficult to, to make of what it means for the future, but he's had opportunities to step up. He's had opportunities to guard these guys and and maybe show off improvements as a one-on-one defender or, or, you know, maybe, um, you know, take over offensively in moments. And it hasn't, it hasn't happened. Uh, it's, it's been a rough, it's his first playoff series. He's a second year player, but it's, it's been a rough series for him, not just him, but it's been a rough series for him. Yeah. The, the, the Sixers put you in so many tough spots because they're just so physical. And obviously it starts with Embiid, and then you have to help on Embiid. And then you've got Tobias Harris, who's a house, and Ben Simmons, who's a house. And and for the Wizards especially, they don't play many guys with size on the wing. And so that's just so tough to handle. And And a lot is on Rui, like you said, because he's their only guy with size in that position, you can't really help with your big man because then Joel Embiid will kill you. And so, so that's the problem with guarding the Sixers is like it, it's all a cascading effect off of Embiid because he draws so much attention, whether he has the ball or not, that then the other guys 
get post-ups and you can't help as much. And then they've got Danny Green and they've got Seth Curry and they've got these guys. Everyone hit threes in game three. So it's like at that point, especially for the Wizards, like Scott Brooks might want to just dust off those wings who have size and just see what happens because trying super small didn't really work. The Sixers are just so long. They're so physical. They are really, really tough to match up with if you're small on the wing. Yeah, the problem with the Wizards' small lineups is they have all the disadvantages of going small without having many. And they can't shoot, so. Right, without having many of the advantages. Like, like Mike Mike D'Antoni, who who really he didn't start small ball at all, but he really popularized small ball as we know it with the seven second or less Suns. And Mike D'Antoni constantly corrects when people call it small ball, which works because it rhymes. But in reality. The reason that it works on the court is not because it's small ball, and D'Antoni will let you know that. He always says it's not small ball, it's skill ball, right? That's the thing that he always says. He calls it skill ball, not small ball, because ultimately, it's not maximizing how many small people you have. It's maximizing how much skill you have, and normally, small guys have more skill. But the thing with the Wizards is they, when they go small, they get beat in terms of size on the other end, and the Sixers are not a great offensive team. It's not like this was a tremendous offensive team. They just have the size to overpower the Wizards. And then on the other end, you know, Westbrook's not a three-point shooter. Ishmith's not a three-point shooter. Defenses are perfectly comfortable helping off of those guys or, or at the very least roaming an extra step or two off of those guys. And it, you just don't get the advantages. Now you get a little bit of a, of a playmaking advantage to where like when they play that ridiculously small lineup, they had four legitimate playmakers on the floor along with Robin Lopez. Uh, and that's, you know, something, but you still have two non, non volume three point shooters out there with Westbrook and, and, uh, and, and Ish Smith and, and the third in Lopez. So when Lopez is trying to do his hook shots or something, you still have two guards you can help off of, you know, it's not, it's not, it is small ball, but it's not really any sort of extreme version of skill ball. And that's that's the problem that they have when in those lineups. So it's it's difficult to maneuver because the roster is flawed and it's a horrible matchup for them. But I mean, you know, I don't know. I would I I would be intrigued to see Garrison Matthews out there. And I realize it's like playing whack-a-mole with the bench every game. It's like, all right, well, this guy didn't play, so try him. Uh <laughs> ultimately, it's like it doesn't matter. The Sixers are just a lot, a lot, a lot better than them. And that's what we're seeing. That's how you win by 29. Fred, they, they have made six three-pointers per game through three games. Six. That's like mid-90s Knicks versus Heat <laughs> fights during every game. Everybody just wants to be in the weight room rather than working on their game type basketball and and they're still by far the smaller team so it's like where is their advantage where is it and and that's the issue they're running into i do think this is just a horrible matchup when you can't shoot against the 76ers they're so long and so solid defensively it's just so hard to create an advantage. You have to spread them out. You have to get them away from the paint. But they're just, if you can't, they're just so long and they're athletic and they're physical and they'll just eat you up. And, and I feel like that's what they've done in this series. And then 
at the other end, they've just scored and scored and scored, which is what I've been a little surprised about with the Wizards this series. Obviously, their defense got way better toward the end of the regular season. Um, but again, it, it's just a tough matchup because of the physicality that, that Philadelphia plays with. And, and it's like it starts with Embiid. It goes to everybody else. And then you're so dialed in on stopping their strong guys inside that all their shooters get open and and it's 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 all interconnected and i I, like six three-pointers per game is crazy in in the nba in in 2021 that's almost impossible that is crazy and 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 a big part of that is that they're so reliant on davis bertans and he's just done yeah He's just done nothing in five postseason games. You know what's crazy? I, I checked it after the game tonight. Davis Bertans has played 28 postseason games in his career. That's across five different seasons. Uh, I'm including the play-in games as postseason. That is postseason. It's not playoffs. It's postseason. Um, what do you think he's shooting from three? 28 games. What do you think he's shooting from three? 32%. 27. And I only say that. 27? 27. But that's a little misleading because a lot of that, I'm sure, was when he was very young. Um, He is 7 for 30 so far in the postseason right now. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. And he hasn't had a good year. No. I mean, look, he, he showed up out of shape and, you know, I... You have to give extra slack to guys in years like this because because uh, apparently it was difficult for him to work out, you know, being being overseas and, you know, in the middle of covid and you don't know what's going on in guys personal lives that maybe they feel like they have to be extra cautious and whatnot. Um, and he, you know, he had visa issues coming back into the country and missed the first like week of training camp. But that should not ruin your season. Um you know, if if you can't play five on five, you know, he said he, he didn't play five on five for months, at least leading up to training camp. His first time he played five on five in training camp was the first time he had played in months, I think, since before the bubble. And when you don't go to the bubble, I don't think anybody had a problem with him not going to the bubble when he was an impending free agent and, and the Wizards yep. time in the bubble was pretty meaningless and they wanted to give playing time to their young guys anyway. So I don't think anybody with the wizards had a problem with it. I didn't hear really anybody outside the wizards have a problem with it other than Evan Fournier who got into it with him on Twitter about it. Other than that, like I, yeah, I enjoyed that. I, everyone enjoyed Evan. When you can get some Evan Fournier beef, you bring it in. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody mocked him for it or knocked him for it, but, but when you choose not to go to the bubble, you're also saying uh, you are you are putting the burden of work on yourself because that is that's company time. And so if you don't want to go to the bubble, that's fine. But I think the assumption is or at least should be, all right, I'm going to be doing the work. I'm just not going to be physically with everybody. So so to me, him not playing at all, uh, him showing up as out of shape as he was to where he was on a minutes limit extending into the regular season. Um, you know, it's hard not to tie this entire season back to him being out of shape 
Because when you try to play your way into shape in the NBA in 2021, when everybody is so good and so prepared and so in shape and it's a 12-month job, like this isn't when guys had jobs for six months in the offseason working as like jewelers, you know? This is not that. The guys are working incredibly hard to stay in shape in the offseason. So when you show up out of shape and decide you're going to work your way into shape, well, by the time you've worked your way into shape, now everybody else is in even better shape, you know? So- So now you got to catch up to them. And then by the time you worked into that shape, everybody else is in even better shape than that. It's just hard not to tie back the slow start to the season, the injuries he's had to deal with. Um, And I know he he talked about he had COVID in the middle of the year as well, which I'm sure didn't help matters. Uh, It's just hard not to tie all this back to that. And, um, you know, he got five years, 80 million. And uh, and and he if he doesn't make his threes. He's in, he, he actively hurts them when he doesn't make his threes. And, uh, you know, they threw him in the starting lineup tonight, which I thought was a totally valid decision. Um, and, uh, you know, his, his, he, he, he was a big reason for why they gave up 17 threes to Philly and why Seth Curry was, was hitting like crazy from there. Um, you know, it's just been a really, really unfortunate year for him in the first year of that contract. And, and that's, that's, part of the dilemma for Scott Brooks too is that he has to choose between shooting and defense. He has to choose between size and guys who can get into the paint. You know, he has to choose between all that stuff. Whereas Philly, it's like their best players are huge. <laughs> their best players with the exception of Simmons and Embiid, like Danny Green, he can shoot. Seth Curry, he can shoot. Like they don't have to choose, you know, and so, so that's what makes it tough on Brooks. Like he obviously went for shooting with Bertans. He knew that, that their three-point shooting numbers had been very bad. He knew they had to stretch out the 76ers' defense. But, yeah, they, they need more from Bertans, uh, especially in this matchup. Like you just have to loosen them up a little bit. They are th- – that, that defense is so good. Every time I watch the 76ers play defense, I'm just like, Wow. Like they are locked in. They make every right rotation. Their arms are always in the passing lanes. It's got to be so tough to play against them. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time sounds like a real game changer if you ask us Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Their defense is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Simmons is is incredible on the perimeter. And Embiid is just impossible. I mean, Bradley Beal must be saying, thank God for his floater. Because it's like one of the one of the three ways he's been able to get points in this series. It's just when he can't get all the way to the rim and Embiid is there, he's lofted that floater over him at least six or seven times so far in these three games. And he's he's got to be saying, thank God I developed that move because, 
because that's there are so many moments where he just would have been completely screwed trying to go to the rim if he didn't have that. Uh, it, it's just such a sign of how versatile of a scorer you have to be in order to just get a bucket against this team. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous how good that defense is. I mean, I think you can make a legitimate argument they have the best defense in the NBA. And and that's part of the reason why, like Russell Westbrook was, he had a triple double. He was obviously one of their better players. He was doing it on an injured ankle. Like he deserves credit for that. But it, it's it's tough to build a roster around Russ, and like you have to have shooting at a lot of other positions. And the, we saw the Rockets like. And part of the reason they did it was surely because they wanted to get out of the, the luxury tax. But they got rid of all centers. And and they just said, our centers are going to be three-point shooters, and we're going to basically use Russ as our center. He's going to be the guy who scores points in the paint. And and the Wizards don't have that. They don't have enough shooting. So th- that's like a question for them moving forward, assuming they're going to keep Russ and Beal, is like, how do you get enough shooting around those guys that you can give them enough space because everything's tough for Beal. Like, so tough for Beal. And he's averaging 30 in this series. Um, but it's just so hard because there can always be help off of at least two of his of his teammates in a big way. And, and there's just so much pressure on him, so much attention on him, that it just makes things really difficult. Yeah, there, there are two questions for this offseason are going to be like the two macro questions are going to be shooting and perimeter defense or I guess just defense in general if we're going really macro but it's going to be shooting and perimeter defense I mean you know we talk about Bertans it's going to be on a more micro level like man I know I keep coming back to him but there was there was a moment tonight where I was thinking, so Bertans is in the game, and you put out Bertans. I, I totally get why you put Bertans in the starting lineup. You put him next to Westbrook and Beal. He gives them some more spacing, you know, in a in a in a vacuum. The way that I thought it would work at the start of this year is he goes next to Westbrook and Beal, and you're guaranteed elite offense with those three on the floor. Because when Beal and Bertans were on the floor together last year, it was like, I forget what they scored at. They scored something like 120, 121 points per 100 possessions when Beal and Bertans played together because those guys just worked off each other so well and you had an elite scorer and a top five shooter. That obviously didn't translate to this year. I thought it would. It didn't uh, with Westbrook and Beal and Bertans out there. But I get why you put them out there uh, in the the lineup. Uh, But what's funny is that, you know, we talk about, you know, I was talking about how, like, it's not small ball, it's skill ball. Well, you know, we talk the Wizards need more size, and it's it's not just that they need more size. size. Yeah, it's not even just wing size. It's someone who knows how to use their size. So, like, they pull yeah. Neto and they put in Bertons. Technically, they put in a lot of size. I mean, technically, the Wizards played a pretty big lineup tonight. Bertans is 6'10 or whatever. Rui is 6'8, 6'9. Len is huge. Westbrook's a big point guard. Beal is 6'3, but Beal's like 
broad, Beal's strong. I mean, they technically played a big lineup tonight. The reason that they seem like they played a small lineup is because Bertans doesn't use his size. Hachimura sometimes uses his size, but for the most part, doesn't. And, and that's why you get to this position where we talk about them as small when they're not. And so there's a moment like they play Bertans tonight and the general reaction to that is, well, they put size in the lineup because they need that against Philly because they couldn't get away with three guards. But then Bertans is out there guarding Seth Curry. And it's like, well, if he's going to guard Seth Curry, it doesn't really matter that he has extra size. You could be playing Garrison Matthews. And I had that thought tonight while I'm watching him guard Seth Curry and and Curry get open and Curry hit threes. And, and I was like, man, like, I'm even having the thought, like, you could just play the two-way guy and have as good of a chance as if you play your third highest paid player. And that's that's <laughs> that's the issue with the roster right now. Yeah, they need size in like a, a Jay Crowder type of way. Like, totally. Like size with physicality who can guard anyone, whether it's a center for a couple of seconds, whether it's a power forward, whether it's switching onto a point guard, whatever. That's the type of player they need. And I think I think Rui can develop into that. And I think, obviously, they they drafted Avdia because they're hoping he can be that. Like, like they're searching for those guys. and But they just have – those guys are young. And in, in Avdia's case, he's injured. And so it hasn't come to fruition yet. Um, yeah, I th- and maybe they need to address it on the free agency market. Maybe those guys just need to develop and grow into themselves and they can give you a lot more in on that front. But, but they, they need those wings with size because, and especially they, they need somebody to develop shooting, whether it's Rui, like his three pointer has come, come around a little bit, but Avdia is not a shooter. Like you need one of those guys to become a shooter. If you're going to keep Russ on the court and if you're going to keep, whether it's Lopez or Gafford or non-shooting center, then you just you just need more shooting and defense and to surround those guys because Russ has been great, man. Like Bradley Beal's been awesome, and so the, there's a puzzle around the re- the rest of the roster, and then they they've got some things to figure out there. Yeah, for sure, it's going to be hard for them to add to it too because they're over the cap. They're going to be somewhat approaching the luxury tax. So they'll they'll have the mid level exception, but. You know, the mid-level exception doesn't get you a guy who is a 40% three-point shooter and plays really good defense. That guy is too expensive. Like like Reggie Bullock, for example, is a free agent this summer. I I, I haven't asked anybody about Reggie Bullock specifically. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I off the top of my head, I, I don't think Reggie Bullock I, – I imagine he's getting more than – you know, mid-level exception is going to be like $9.5 million. I, I think he's getting more than that. Right? Like a guy who shoots 40% from three and plays really good defense on the wing is six seven, six eight. Those guys are hard to find. So so adding somebody like that is is not gonna be easy. And you don't find them in the draft. I mean, you might find somebody who can help you down the line and turn into that player in the draft, but you don't no rookie shoots 40 from three and plays impactful perimeter defense. That that doesn't happen in the middle of the first round. That doesn't happen in the beginning of the first round, let alone the middle of Desmond the first Bain? round. Desmond Bain? Does Desmond Bain count? 
Desmond Bain's gonna be that, but you think Desmond Bain's like an impactful perimeter defender right now? No. Yeah. No, I do not. But he can shoot the hell but out he's, of the ball. He's a hell of a shooter. Oh yeah, I put him second team all rookie. He had a great year. I considered him for first team. I ended up putting Isaiah Stewart on there because Isaiah Stewart is a absolute monster. Now I'm ashamed that you have a vote and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to compete with the Boston Riders. I just got to compete with the Washington. Got to compete with Fred Cat. I just got to compete with the Washington Post, who doesn't vote on things. So it's literally I am the only choice in the market. That's maybe I got to move to Washington <laughs> so I can get a vote. There you go. Uh, you you have anything to plug to my readers before we wrap? No, absolutely not. Unless they want to read about like Jason Tatum or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. They might. They might. There might be like a St. Louis listener on this yeah. podcast who who loves Bradley Beal and also loves Jason Tatum. Yeah, go go read my Jason Tatum story about his uh fifty point outburst in Game Three, which will probably be the Celtics' last win of the season. It was a very good story, and Tatum has been ridiculous lately. He's been that game. He's he's had fifty points four times since April 9th. That's absurd. <laughs> it's just outrageous. That's crazy. He, it, and today, obviously, like points are easier to come by, and offenses tend to tilt toward the the main guy more than ever. That's still ridiculous. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That's that's. He's been he's been incredible. It almost feels like even though he he's made like I feel like Tatum has made more leaps than anybody. You know? It almost it almost feels like he's making another leap right now. After he had like I didn't vote for him for all NBA because he I he, he struggled so much throughout parts of the year, you know, by his standards that and there were too many good players. I I didn't put him on. I ended up giving the last all NBA spot to LeBron James. Um, but you know, he was on the spreadsheet and, uh, man, he's been unbelievable for this last like month. It's been crazy. Yeah. He was so bad after he came back from COVID for like a month. And other than that, he's been really good. So it, it was, what, what a weird year to analyze just cause there was like COVID cases. It's like, how, how, how critical are you supposed to be of a guy? When he's not great for like a month and a half after getting COVID, I don't. Yeah, I don't think you should be critical at all. Yeah, it's it's so strange. Like the the entire conversation is so strange because it's like, are you making an excuse for a guy, or is it a totally valid reason for not being playing up to your standard for a while? I think I tend to think it was a totally valid reason, especially in Tatum's case, because if you look at, he was very open. Like for a month, he was not very good and he said you know I, I can't really breathe like i used to <laughs> and he had to take an inhaler and then after like a, a month out of covid he was great again so it was a weird 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 season to cover for so many reasons i know and and that's part of uh like that concept goes into why i i've i've been a little more measured in talking about bartons too because, oh, yeah, because, you know, you don't, you just don't know what's going on in somebody's personal life, you know, in in a situation like this. Like you just you don't you don't know. And there are certain things that we can say about Bertans for sure. Um, but but, yeah, you don't know. And he had a bad case of covid, too. Um, You just you don't know. 
but one thing we do know is uh, this series. Wizards After Dark is the way, the place to go. I was going to say that this series has serious sweep energy. That was <laughs> also that. Also that. Series has serious sweep energy. Um, I'll be back with another episode. Uh, well, I guess before I say I'll be back with another episode, if you want to read Jay's story on Jason Tatum, I, I also have been writing nonstop. I think I've written uh, 11 stories in 13 days, 12 stories in 14 days, something like that. So if you want an incredible amount of Wizards content, I've got you covered. And I'm not the only one writing about the Wizards right now. I mean, David Aldridge is writing a story after every single game. He's pretty good. He's he's quite good. You might know him. He's you know a little little writer out of DC. Uh, ben, I think Ben Standing. Up and comer out of DC. I'm going to put the pressure on Ben. I think Ben might actually write a Wizards thing for for Monday morning. Uh, so you can look out for for a Ben original take. Uh, and if you're not a subscriber to the Athletic, you can become one very easily. We're not doing the one dollar a month deal anymore, but you can sign up for three ninety nine a month if you go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark and you sign up there. And that doesn't just get you wizard stuff. It gets you everything. It gets you Jay's stuff. It gets you all of the NBA coverage that we have. It gets you NFL. It gets you MLB. It gets you every single story on the site. And it gets you this podcast along with every other podcast that we do ad free that's the athletic.com slash wizards after dark you get a full subscription to the athletic for $3.99 a month give us five stars leave a review on itunes that always helps a lot those written reviews i'll be back on tuesday night i'm forcing standick to come back so uh so we can podcast together and we'll see what happens on tuesday night if it's uh is it tuesday night monday night i'll be back monday night I'm saying Tuesday, but they play Monday. Sorry. Monday is game four. We'll see what happens Monday, and we'll see if uh, it's a season wrapping pod or we'll be looking forward to game five in Philadelphia. Either way, I'll talk to you guys then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.